0: You have summoned the Crafted Recordings Podcast. Is humanity itself. The two are linked in history and in practice. For many people, music will be the first exposure to magic. Magic, of course, is a problematic word. Different people have different conceptions of it. But when music is happening, and people are into it, something happens. Bodies start moving, often beneath the threshold of awareness. Attention becomes focused on what is happening now, in real time. We're snapped out of our abstractions, our distractions, and we sense that in this moment, we are connected to something outside ourselves, something bigger than us. Take, for instance, an organist connecting with a flautist. on common ground, or in train, rhythmically, melodically, dynamically, harmonically, there's a unity that's created. It also invites other consciousnesses and energies to join in. Whatever else magic is, it connects and creates unity when it endures. To dig a little deeper into the connection between magic and music, I spoke with Oz Fritz, Recording engineer, music producer, and practitioner of philemic magic.
1: Hello, my name is Oz Fritz. I make my living as a sound engineer, occasional music producer, and various other um, audio engineering um, activities. On the other side, I'm also someone who's been um, researching brain change in the form of magic and various other types of discipline that try to change one's consciousness for the better. I've naturally um, looked at how those two different avenues work together, how they could possibly work together, how uh, magic could be used in in a recording environment. I've noticed a lot of similarities. First of all, the type of magic I've been mainly into has been that that they call Thelema, or the the magic that was presented by Aleister Crowley. And one of the first things I noticed that recording music and magic shared was that they both start off by creating a space. In um, magic, the first thing you're you're, sort of trained to do when when you're doing a ritual is to what they call draw a circle, which means to draw a circle around the area of your working that divides the universe into everything that you want to do for the intention of your ritual and everything outside that. It, it's actually called a banishing because you're meant to banish from your area of working everything that has nothing to do with what you're trying to do. And so that's a useful thing to take into the recording studio. You, you know, you're, the recording studio itself is, um, you draw a circle around that, figuratively speaking, or metaphorically speaking, and try to keep everything that's not having to do with the purpose of recording the music that you want to do out of it, because there can be tons of distractions in ritual work you know you create a chamber or a space that's supposed to um, resonate with the entity that you're trying to draw in or draw out so for anyone who's not into magic this might sound a little fantastic but in ritual work you kind of have some assumed hypotheses that you are trying to contact intelligences that are non-human you know, either greater than human or, or below the human, either, you know, angels or demons, or some kind of non-human intelligence. That's a hypothesis I bring into music, that the spirit of the music is something that you're trying to draw in, trying to draw it down from above, either that or trying to draw it out of the artists. So, there's another parallel with magic when you're trying to draw it down from outside, that's called invocation. Uh, That's one of the main um, practices of magic. And then if you're trying to draw it out from inside, from deep inside the the artist, that's called evocation. So, um, the main kind of music that I'm interested in is, is, is invocational is drawing some kind of energy or some kind of intelligence that um, we consider to be alive in a non-human way into the um, recording session. So with ritual work, if you were trying to, um, say, contact a spirit uh, with the nature of Mars, then you would make your space, your, your temple space, conform to things that resonate with Mars. So you would look up in your um, Kabbalistic dictionary what colors, what maybe odors or incenses and just various things that relate to Mars and then you would set your, your chamber in that way. And the same thing with music, um, you know, you can um, bring things into the recording studio that resonate with the kind of music that you're trying to draw down. A good example of this is when I, um, worked in Australia, recording a group called Yothu Yindi, which was half Anglo and half Indigenous Australian, what they call Aborigines, but that's a a derogatory term to um, the Indigenous Australians, so I won't use it. But anyway, they brought into the studio all kinds of banners and and artifacts and things from their culture, and um, sort of changed the whole recording studio into kind of their world and it was extremely effective so that's i mean and it wasn't even something i did it was just something that um, it's an extremely old shamanic culture and they just know that they know how to set up a space the space was intended to to um, contact some kind of music and um, so they set it up accordingly And um, so I've experimented with that also in the recording studio, um, just bringing in artifacts, pictures, um, incense, things that are more conducive to create creativity. So I look at it at the recording studio as like a landing pad for the descent of higher entities, hopefully, like a landing pad. It's experimental too. It's not guaranteed. Just as ritual work is experimental, um, you, you, the best you can do is put yourself in the posture of being receptive to the music or to the to the energy, and then um, hope for the best and and um, repeat as necessary. The um, material basis for magic is quantum physics. That is that certain models that they attempt to explain how quantum physics works, subatomic physics, would also explain how magic works, how um, you can create what Einstein called spooky action at a distance, you know, cause effects to occur that we normally don't think are possible. So when I mentioned that um, the similarity between magic and recording of setting up a space, um, it's my working hypothesis um, that when you record something, you're not only recording the audio, um, that you're recording everything in the space, the mood, the atmosphere, um, the combined level of consciousness of everyone in it. If um, someone was to make a recording of people in a very high space, and I, I'm not advocating or I'm not advocating anything. I'm just using this as an example because people can relate to it. Um, but if you're if you're recording a conversation with people who are on um, psychedelics, and then someone listens to that recording the next day, if they have any kind of sensitivity, even if they don't know the um, circumstances, they're going to feel, they will likely feel what's called a contact high. And, And so that's, I believe, that the consciousness of those people in that space is making it onto the recording and being transmitted in that way. Because I'm basically a materialist, even with all this practice of magic, and I believe that this occurs on the quantum level. I mean, I'm not. I'm not a scientist, and I, that's just how I would explain what happens in magic. I mean, the, one of the first senses, and one of uh, in Crowley's magic in theory and practice, is that cleanliness is next to godliness. And, and uh, you know, that just seems like a basic thing. But um, yeah, I try to bring that into the recording studio also to just have a clean space in every way. I don't know. It just it just seems to help the overall uh, mood of of what's going on. And so anyway, I noticed that the clearer I was, the more focused and attentive I was in the session gave me an edge. You know, it's very competitive in the audio world and, and so just by having that kind of alertness, it kind of made me stand out in a particular way. the mix is a space that the listener can enter into and similar as the um, musician when they were shamanically exploring the unknown to bring something back well the listener can um, go into the mix which is a sort of an unknown for them and um, whatever is in, in the music, in the sound in the space will be communicated to them, transmitted to them and if you are considering it to be a living presence, you know, you can actually talk to what we could could call a guide of sorts. And I don't think this is uncommon that people listening to music all of a sudden get some kind of idea or get some kind of flash or inspiration, who knows why. And that to me relates to the idea of gnosis, just the sudden realization of something and it, could just be the random combination of a couple of words and the music. And, you know, I can give you um, one experience I had where um, I was doing a really basic magic practice um, by Laura Huxley called Get Naked with the Music. And you basically, it's very simple. You just take off all your clothes and you dance to some music. And I was doing this to a live version of Midnight Rambler from Get Your Ya-Yas Out the Rolling Stones. And all of a sudden, um, when there's this part in the song where the song really kicks in, they pick up the tempo and they start going, and all of a sudden, uh, I just had this total sense of how Taoism works, of somehow the difference between the two guitars and how they interrelated, because they were kind of opposites, they were panned oppositely, but they combined to make a whole thing. and, And all of a sudden, you know, I. Read the Yi Ching and other works of Taoism, but all of a sudden, listening to that music, it just kind of kicked in. and and I had this uh, gnostic experience of what Taoism meant from listening to the Rolling Stones like that. So we're working in the unknown, in my opinion. You know, there's no way that anyone would have guessed that by creating this song and recording it in this way that, you know, some years later, some kid, doing a ritual would have some realization on Taoism. So anyway, to get back to the, into the more practical side of this, when you are mixing, when you are creating the space, um, I have this term that I call looking for the music. And so, you know, I suggest mixing with your your head, your heart, and your hands so that you're not only trying to make it intellectually correct or, you know, have everything in tune and all that stuff and the balance of how it's quote unquote supposed to be. But you're also hopefully trying to feel whether the affects are coming through. You know, are you being moved by the music? And is there any kind of sensations? You know, are you feeling the bass drum or whatever, if that's what you want to do? Because there can be times where something is incorrect. You know, there could be a, a snare drum out of time or something that just makes the song really exciting. And if you're attentive to how the music is making you feel and you're just feeling it, then you're gonna leave that quote-unquote incorrect snare drum timing in. But if you're, you know, looking at the, at the waveform and you hear that it's off and you can see that it's off, and then you know, the tendency is to move it back into time, you gotta check to see if it's still giving you the lift you want, because it might have been that the timing error was what was giving it that excitement. So if you're only doing things from your head, you're gonna you know, basically kill some of the, the affects in your music. You're gonna make it less musical, maybe, maybe more correct, but it's gonna have less um, feeling and um, getting back to what is the purpose of music, And under the best circumstances, maybe it can help with some kind of brain change, transformational function. But in a very simple way, it's just to change a person's mood, to change how they're feeling, to maybe um, give them more affects of joy, just so they can carry on. It might not be that they change something major about their life, but it might be that they are able to function over the disappointment of something going wrong or whatever if you change one thing it changes the perception of everything else if you change one thing it changes the perception of everything else If you change one thing it changes the perception of everything else If you change